Hello and welcome back to another episode of Political Agenda by New Narrative with me, PJ Thumb. Today we have Vivian and Vanessa who run up and out an Instagram page dedicated to talking, discussing and teaching sex education in Singapore. Uh, so it's a great show today, but before we get to them, I am wearing a brown and yellow batik shirt and we're sitting with three other people behind a black table and in front of a map of Southeast Asia. My pronouns are he, him. This podcast is a production of New Narrative, which is an entirely member-supported uh, movement for democracy in Southeast Asia, and we need your help to support this podcast and all the other cool work that we do. So if you like what we're doing, please do join us as a member at newnarrative.com join or you can donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. And now, Subash. Okay, so today we've got Vivian and Vanessa, but before we get to them, my co-host is always Sean Francis Han, Editor-in-Chief of Wake Up Singapore. How are you today, Sean? I'm good, yeah. Um, we're talking about a topic that I have just a lot of very bizarre and horrifying experiences <laughs> with. Because um, I, I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic boys' school, right? It's like the two worst things you could put together. But yeah, I had a, I had a lot of very... Um, very interesting experiences with sex ed, and, and I'm very, very excited to jump in and talk all about it. But before we get into that, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm wearing a red maroon basic tee. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's jump right into it. So, Vanessa, Vivian, what are you wearing? What are your pronouns? I'm wearing this blue and white vertical stripe dress. Um, my pronouns are she, her. All right, I'm Vivian, and I am wearing... Uh, off-the-shoulder red jumpsuit and my pronouns are she, her. So how did the both of you get interested in activism, in trying to do something sociopolitically aware? It wasn't like one incident that made me personally want mm -hmm. to get into it. It was more like accumulation of everything that we have experienced so far. Okay. So, um, as you said, in schools, um, sex ed in particular was a very terribly thought, taught subject. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy about it even since mm. then. So it just kind of accumulated throughout the years. And um, after a while, I thought like, hey, Instagram is free, so I can do something about it. So, it is yeah. free, yes. Vivian, what about yourself? <laughs> yeah, so I am, I'm actually very... Um, you know, like passionate about this topic, especially, you know, like um, educating people with sex ed and also like um, helping survivors of sexual violence mm -hmm. because, um, yeah, like uh, like some of my friends have gone through these kind of things and they always come to me like, um, and like when I, when I hear all these things happen, like it's just so sad, like mm -hmm. I want to do something about it, you know, like, and you know, like as, as uh, I guess citizens, I, I see a lot of gaps um, in Singapore. Like, the government is not really doing that much. So I, I would think this is a gap that we can come in and try to fill. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get right into it. What is Up and Out? So Up and Out is actually a platform created to sort of discuss sex ed um, subjects and topics that schools didn't teach us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so things like consent and boundaries, mm -hmm. things like kinks and fetishes, 
um, things like uh, communicating properly with your partner, with your family, with your peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Everything that um, I think sex ed should have taught us, but failed to do so. What's your editorial process like? Though? How do you decide what to do? Who you know, which topics to address? Do you have like a, a whole month scheduled or a week scheduled, or is it more ad hoc? Or do you respond to events, or do you have a very fixed idea of? you know, uh, what you'd like to do. Is there a maybe a broader sort of syllabus that you're guiding people towards or is it, you know, very day by day? Um, honestly, because Up and Out started as like a like my personal project half a year ago, it's very much dependent on my emotions. Like mm. what I what I want to talk about that day. And also because um, people online, they don't... Sometimes people want to see about Sometimes they want to talk about topic A, but then tomorrow they want to see topic B. They don't necessarily like to see things in progression. So um, I thought it would be good to just do it on an ad hoc basis. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we kind of like have, I guess, you know, you see like day by day kind of calendar, but I don't think we do that. Maybe it's a week by week or, you know, like depends on what, yeah. are, what are the things in the news, you know, like the recent MOE, you know, the, the yes. trans and everything. Yep. So like... We, we, we are we are up to date with the news and like what is being talked about in Singapore and then we go from there yeah I think that's how we cater the content in terms of like the Instagram page yeah I mean jumping off of um, the MOE saga right um, maybe one of you could explain it for uh, our listeners because we have listeners from all over the world so sure. they might not have heard of the MOE saga okay so basically um, this um, male to female trans student she she Ashley, right, her name. Um, she was approved by her doctors to start on hormonal therapy, but MOE sort of blocked it, and her school threatened to expel her if she ever, um, she ever, her, like, her body changed such that she cannot fit into the male uniform. Yeah, and um, her story went viral on Reddit, and it got picked up on Instagram and various social medias too. And um, people were really angry and MOE issued a statement which was not an apology and also misgendered her. Yeah. And they I, still have I not issued... the statement also blamed the school rather yeah. than her peers. Oh, mm. yes. Mm. They were like, um, to protect her from bullying. But Ashley said very clearly that her peers and her family were very supportive. So I don't know what the MOE statement was talking about. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, so I mean, jumping off of that, right? Uh, sort of odd question to ask, but what is the state of sex ed in Singapore? Is it good or bad? <laughs> good or bad? It's okay, but I, okay, I'm, I'm going to be less cynical, but what is the state of, of, of sex ed in Singapore? Not so much is it good or bad, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, from your own personal experience, from your own personal observation, right? Um, what are things that you think... Um, you know, what, what is it like? Is it too much? Is it too little? Does it vary uh, across different schools? Are there things that should be talked about that are not talked about? Do they overemphasize certain aspects? Do mm-hmm. they put a weird slant on scientific facts? Like, what is the state of it? Just, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can just talk about, like, our personal uh, experiences first. Then mm-hmm. we can go on, like, drawing some patterns on, like, the state of Singapore. Okay. Um, so, like, for me personally, like, my experience was pretty... Um, I would say it was just in primary school like when I was very very young mm-hmm. right and it was just like abstinence and that was it mm-hmm. so um, I remember like them showing us a video on like 
we're very bad actors on how um, you should just say no if the, the, your partner pressures you and like and it wasn't very realistic so I think it was it was a very like obvious that like he was trying to do something right and then mm-hmm. you just say no which is a which is a problem because you know like in and in real life um, a lot of the things are very nuanced mm-hmm. and a lot of grey areas appear and yeah. we, may, we might not know how to navigate that and I think that is something that um, you know, a lot of sex that doesn't teach us, uh, mm. especially consent and boundaries, and even consent and boundaries, right? It's not even like um, exclusive to sex education. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's for everything, right? When we're talking, um, any relationship or like talking to our parents, talking to our friends, like our own, like um, what we want and what we not want, we need to be clear about that also and like express them and how we can go about doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that is something just a way of life like as as a person you should know how to do like you should be educated in that in that sense right yeah. um and i think um like having this education like when we are very young like would be very very helpful because as long as you have a body like you have like the knowledge of consent and boundaries and i think um that's very lacking in our uh, in our society yeah yeah i think on top of very exaggerated videos we also had for me i had booklets um, with very explicit pictures about diseases in their like later stages. I remember those. Yeah, yeah. I remember those also. <laughs> I don't remember the pictures exactly, but I remember how everybody was laughing at it. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just showing it around and like basically treating it like a big joke yeah. or being very horrified by the pictures. There was no in-between. There was no explanation. There was no saying that it's just a disease. You can get it treated like any other disease. Um, if you catch it early enough, this is what you do. No, it was just pure fear-mongering. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when you are at that age, you you don't think so much. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. You don't take it seriously. But um, it's only after I grew up that I realized that that's not education. That's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, so that was my personal brush with sex ed in Singapore. Mm-hmm. But I also think that sex ed shouldn't be limited to formal education in schools. Mm -hmm. I think it's more like a a culture in Singapore that we have to cultivate a mindset that everybody should have. Like what Vivian was talking about, um, boundaries and consent. They, it's very prevalent in like your house, your 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 amongst friends. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, what is good touch and bad touch? Mm -hmm. What are some things you can say and Mm. cannot say? Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I I never got the. The, the talk with a capital T. Um, so yeah, it was just not something that 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 we ever discussed in my household or in yeah. my uh, same. Um, same. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is common. <laughs> All right. All right, Vivian. I wanna I wanna ask you now. Um, what what are some of the issues that that arise when we have just terrible sex ed in this country? Oh, so many. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> what are some poignant ones that I uh, you yeah. know people tend to miss out on? Yeah, I think. I mean, I would say from my personal experience, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends um, have experienced, or rather, when we're you know like girl talk, you know, mm-hmm. every time, every time, like I'll hear, oh, um, yeah, I actually didn't like they'll get into like relationships, mm-hmm. and they were like, actually I didn't want to um, do this, mm-hmm. but then because he he say, uh, because he wanted it, then I like when I when I when I say uh, oh maybe not, then like he he like feel he, I can feel that he's upset. So I feel mm-hmm. bad. So okay, lol, so I just went and like mm-hmm. went with it. So there's a lot of like these kind of nuances where I think a lot of people just don't really know that it's okay to say no. It's o- it's okay to um have the other pers- person um feel bad mm-hmm. and it's not your responsibility. 
to mm. you know because like you have your own boundaries to to take care of and like take care of yourself you know like I think um, yeah I think just the lack of uh, awareness in, in this area like causes a lot of um, people doing things that they didn't really want to and um, yeah I mean like on the other hand people don't really know what consent looks like when the person says um, yes or yes in like a question mark tone mm-hmm. right um, they take it as yes you know like or they're like uh maybe later then they, they take it as okay maybe later yes you know that kind of thing so mm. it's like it's, and even if it's just a outright no right um, they might still push boundaries in terms of like uh, just keep trying trying and then like wear you down until you say yes you know mm. that kind of thing so it's like I don't um, yeah I just feel very frustrated when like my friends tell me all these things and I'm like oh my god I need to I want to stab the boyfriend but like you know <laughs> so it's very um yeah I just this this kind of like issues in terms of like sex education right I think mm. um people in general like just need to be empowered that you know like you have to uh take care of yourself yeah. um and yeah I think I would say like personally for me it actually helps to understand some of like psychology um concepts like mm-hmm. um you know like how what is gaslighting you know, like things like this where manipulation, guilt tripping, um, read up on these concepts and maybe like you can identify that slowly uh, throughout your life. Like even like long term friendships, you may you may realize, you know, sometimes it's actually toxic and it's not really uh, what you need. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, like for, for that, it's like, it's like a base kind of thing where you can start to like figure out your boundaries and like um, have people respect your 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 boundaries and and respect when you give consent yeah mm-hmm. um, I, I want to ask you so um, I'm thinking now pedagogically mm-hmm. right um, I, I guess is there a way that you craft your messages because I'm sort of reminded about the culture the conservative you know mm-hmm. sex denying culture that we have right does that kind of play into how you craft your messages right are you are you kind of more tactful when you craft your messages? Yeah, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's, it's a balance that mm-hmm. we have to like find because um, like personally, I have conversations with my friends about sex, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want to go in blind, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> and these taboo topics, like we need to normalize it. So I try to like bring it up, and I mean. You know, like sometimes you can tell that someone's uncomfortable, but like, uh, so you respect their boundaries and like, yeah, when they're comfortable, they can come and continue talking. So it's like, um, I think from those conversations that I have with my uh, group of friends and like people around me, um, it has kind of like translated to how I can craft my messages better, like in terms of mm. like finding the right balance. Yeah. But I want to kind of zoom in on something that uh, Vanessa, you, mes- you mentioned just now, which is kinks. Yeah. So why should kinks be part of the sex ed program? What is the importance of teaching people about kinks? Um, okay, I think it's largely because of porn's influence. Okay. Um, this is this sounds like a far stretch, but it's not. Um, no, where's, the, where's this? I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll yeah. explain it. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, when, um, when you watch porn, there's a lot of... It's very... There's, there's a lot of, um, like... Uh, aggressiveness that they show in porn videos mm-hmm. and um, it's very normalized to the point that when people just you know want to have fun and do things normally without all the extra like 
bondage, roughness, lapping, and all that stuff, it's seen as vanilla in a negative way, mm-hmm. you know. But um, when you educate yourself about kinks, I and like what they are actually, mm-hmm. I think you can watch, you can consume these types of media with like a more critical eye, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what you are seeing. Um, you know that. This is an option, but it doesn't have to be the only option. It's just a way for you and your partner to have fun. Mm. But if you don't want to, it's fine too. There are a lot of other options you guys can try. The main thing is your bond. You know, you have fun while doing it. You stay safe. Yeah, speaking about like media influence, right? Like, um, like K-dramas, right? What we see in K-dramas where, you know, like the guy is being rough and like, in, in, a, in a sense uh, a bit more mascu- masculine in, in, in a lot of people's like thoughts and like oh girls are like swooning over like oh the, the guy like did that he just went for the kiss and everything um, but like there's, there's something like it's very portrayed in media like K-drama Chinese dramas um, you know Southeast Asian dramas as well as like American dramas or like Western dramas mm-hmm. right and the media is telling us like this is okay mm-hmm. you know and I think a lot of us like you know, like even like kings, like maybe let's let's bring in maybe like Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Like bondage or, or, or like BDSM, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to like educate um, ourselves as well, like what is pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like um, it's empowering for the individual as well. Like, why are we not talking about it? And also, like, uh, like when we're talking about kings, right? Like, where are the boundaries within that uh, particular king? Like, it's something that you need to. Uh, it, which is is good to to learn as well, uh, So you are able to um, communicate with your partner um, in, in a better uh, fashion as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um. No. I just wanted to say one thing on top of what she said. I mm-hmm. think it's important to distinguish between education and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So what the media shows us, whether it's explicit porn or just soft porn or just in mainstream media, it's all entertainment. It shouldn't be taken as like face value. This is what. Um, intimacy should be like it's not like that it's just it's just entertainment you should get your education somewhere else um i I mean we've been talking a lot about like media and social media right but i want to kind of bring it now to the personal everyday level right um and i think this is a very personal question for me because um you know i have conversations with my friends right uh, whether they be men or women or boys girls teenagers right um and I just have no idea how to talk to them about these issues, right? Um, I have uh, female friends who tell me that they've had bad experiences, traumatic experiences, experiences that, you know, exist on the gray line. And all I can say is, F that dude, right? I mean, what, what do I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what I'm supposed to say or what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do yeah. or like with with my male friends right when they when they tell me um, you know certain issues that they're having like um, you know like weird things weird things like performance anxiety or anxiety about size and things like that That's yeah yeah I how do I, I'm just like what I what I say here you know like okay so I guess if you could give some tips right on how to navigate these conversations Right. Um, okay, I think because I do have those conversations as well, like mm-hmm. even with like my guy friends as well, right? Yeah. Um, when we do talk about like more taboo topics like sex and like you know like performance anxiety and stuff, like mm-hmm. I do um, 
I would try to give like my perspective of it, you mm-hmm. know, like um, and as well like, because I think when they come to you, they they might they might not they might know that you are okay about talking about this topic. That's for one, mm-hmm. right? And then secondly, um, they probably want some advice on mm-hmm. like how to navigate the situation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that advice, it's okay. Right, I think you can just share your experience, and from there, you know, like let's say you have uh, some resources, online resources that you have, you know, uh, looked at before. Mm-hmm. You can you can definitely also send send that to them as well, and um, yeah, I think also encourage them to try to bring it up with more people mm-hmm. because I think um, because sex is not talked about uh, as often in our society, it becomes. Uh, knowledge is power so mm-hmm. uh, yeah we, we don't really have that kind of like community around this um, knowledge around sex mm-hmm. yeah so I think that's for one uh, in terms of like traumatic experiences with like um, in relation to sex um, I would say this was actually like one of my driving factors on why I was very passionate about like why I'm very passionate about this particular topic because you know as friends like it's very difficult to um I guess you're scared to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, yeah. yeah. Especially when it's a traumatic thing. Um, so actually, in, initially, like, my project was to focus on, you know, like, trying to help friends to educate them. Like, how can we help friends to better support survivors, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, I think it's a very difficult um, kind of, like, area to navigate. Like, firstly, I think, go in with empathetic, like... Um, Go in with empathy. Like, mm-hmm. that's for one. Like, definitely go in with empathy. And if you don't know what to say, it's okay. Like, just go to them, like, with... um, Because, like, maybe, like, right off the bat when the person, like, uh, tells you about the situation, mm-hmm. right? Then you may be, like, shocked. And then you don't really know how to respond. It's okay. Saying... Not saying anything is, is okay as well. Like, mm-hmm. you can you can just be, you know, like, be there for... Be there for the person, like, how you would normally be there for. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, in the future... Uh, you can like go and do your homework basically mm-hmm. right go to uh, there's a lot of like resources you know like there are that oh, there's resources on the web um as as well like as uh, other websites as well mm-hmm. um so we can always educate ourselves on how we can talk to um them after and you know when we come back to that uh you can always check on check out on them i think this is like just being like a basic friend right like you just want to check out on your friends um and like show that care um mm-hmm. And if and after doing that research can show like that proper care and what mm-hmm. not to say, what to say, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can I just add on to that? Yeah. I think it's also important to not pressure them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they come to you proactively, um, wanting to talk about certain traumatic incidents that they have experienced, then it's good. But mm-hmm. as on the receiving end of like this conversation, um, I think it's important to let who let the survivor have the power in the mm-hmm. conversation, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Let them steer the conversation to, mm-hmm. to wherever they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you want to ask questions, I think it's also important to check with them first. Like, mm-hmm. this might be yes. a sensitive question. You can, you you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, you mm-hmm. know. I, I would actually advise against asking questions altogether. Like, okay. um, yeah, because... Like, particularly if, like, the person has been sexually assaulted or, uh-huh. you know, like, sexual violence, right? Um, I think, like, for them to come to you to already say something, it's already very difficult, mm-hmm. right? And you want to be there to listen. And because they already have that, it's, a, it's like a default thing where you, you feel, like, self-blame, mm-hmm. right? So you want to just listen and, and be supportive and, like, 
in, in concrete terms, right? Like when they are, um, they're, they're asking like, maybe they ask, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And then you can give them some options. It's like, whatever you want, mm-hmm. I will support you. Mm. Okay, let's, let's just get right into it. What is the light project? I saw that on your page. What's that about? Yeah, so uh, the light project will be under Up and Out. Uh, it's our initiative to, you know, like um, provide trauma-informed therapy to survivors of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so what through our research and also like, you know, personal experiences as well as um, just like talking to people, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's a very lacking area in Singapore, especially for uh, like... Okay, let's start with the concept of counselling, mm-hmm. right? The concept of counselling in Singapore is very taboo. It has a stigma behind it. Um, mental health is not really talked about. Like, you know, like people think it's weak. Uh, it's, it's like, it's like the last resort. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you, you know, like you don't want to be crazy or like they can, those, those words will be used, mm-hmm. right, in Singapore. And um, the, the idea of concept is uh, one of the barriers, right, that um, for... For survivors, yeah. uh, they have to overcome in order to get help, mm-hmm. right? They have to overcome their own like uh, taught f- uh, idea that counseling is for the weak, yeah. right? And to to be able to even like decide to go and get help, mm-hmm. right? So that's one thing. And the other thing, when they decide to get help, um, the space in Singapore uh, makes it difficult to find uh, counselors or, or like therapists that are trained to deal with um, this trauma okay um, because uh, why why I say this right is because um, general therapy is not the same as uh, trauma-informed therapy mm-hmm. so for specific incidences for ex- for example for like sexual violence uh, survivors mm-hmm. you really need um, this kind of a trauma-informed therapy to go through that kind of like self-blame the themes of like um, you know like um yeah, self-blame and then as well as, you know, like uh, PTSD. Mm-hmm. All these things, like, it needs a really trained kind of, like, therapy to, uh, for, for this, for, for the healing to really work yeah. in, in that sense. Um, yeah, and, and in schools, right, like, I'm not sure about NTU, but like for uh, NUS, there's, because of the Monica Bay incident, right, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the victim care unit was set up, mm-hmm. um, like, um, they're changing the name, but you know, like it was set up, and you know, like for for that, like they basically uh, kind of like prom or said not promised, but like you know, they kind of said that they would try to help victims find help, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, like I I mean, I heard from my friends, like you know, it's like a process where you actually get uh directed to either aware or like the school's counselling. Okay. Right. But the university's counselling is not specialised, right, mm-hmm. in trauma-informed therapy, which is problematic because the, survi- the survivor might feel like, oh my God, why is this not helping me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, why, 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 do, why do I feel worse after going for this, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's important that we are able to provide uh, trauma-informed therapy to like, the survivors, and so we want to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. So for the Light Project, what we are doing is basically have a platform where we, we are we are basically planning to uh, launch this platform where we um, connect um, trauma-informed therapists mm-hmm. to survivors. Yeah. And as well, because like one of the biggest, like through our research as well, um, you know, one of the biggest factors mm-hmm. is money. Yeah. Um, so we actually decided to come up with a system where, you know, uh, 
we have like we are basically going to launch our merch soon mm-hmm. uh, to and the proceeds will go into sponsoring um, the therapy for survivors so oh, we will have like a wait list up um, for survivors to sign up mm-hmm. um, for these therapy sessions as well as um, you know our, our launching our merch as well to, to support them mm-hmm. um, in this journey because I think you know like as friends of survivors right we we sometimes don't know what to do mm-hmm. and when it's the cost I, I think it will mean a lot to like um, support them in in whatever way we can mm-hmm. yeah and before we go any further right mm-hmm. um, if someone's a survivor if there's a survivor out there listening right yeah. um, how does one go about seeking or finding or locating trauma-informed therapy can you just walk up to IMH and say this is what I'm looking for Ooh. Okay, I think the fact that you're walking out to IMH is already something that people probably wouldn't do. Okay. Right, because I think realistically, uh, a lot of people are probably not um, seek, uh, like right off the bat, okay, I need to go and see a counsellor because of like the stigma mm-hmm. around counselling, yeah. right? So I think as friends, mm-hmm. the first thing that we can do is, you know, like AWARE has like a sexual assault um, care centre mm-hmm. um, and that is specialised for... Um, sexual assault survivors mm-hmm. um, so definitely if you're a friend um, direct them there okay um, mm. but of course like for like AWARE's uh, SACC um, has very limited resources you know like because they are kind of like the only one as well in Singapore doing such a um, specialised kind of like help right mm-hmm. so we want to also try to aggregate more of these trauma-informed therapists onto our platform as well so that we can, you know, in future, we mm-hmm. can say, like, come to our platform and then we'll match you up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice. So, um, Vanessa, um, you know, besides the light project, there's merch, right? Mm. Is there anything else in store? What's, what, where do you see Up and Out heading? If I can also mm. ask, um, you know, what you have right now is a very one-way sort of relationship. People ask you and then you post are you planning on expanding the community, especially one that would uh, work sideways where people can talk to each other and discuss with each other and try and build a a supportive community around what you're doing so that uh, also the two of you don't always have to be there and, you know, using up your time, but that people can support each other. Any ideas in that direction? Mm, we toyed around with the idea of creating a subreddit because um, on Reddit people are usually very responsive and very happy to discuss among each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had like an Instagram poll and people said people were not very like receptive of a Reddit mm-hmm. um, subreddit. So um, we might go back to that later. But for now, our immediate plan is to I guess. Um, we want to launch like a like a sort of like a podcast chat session, both of us, where mm. we sort of sit down in a comfortable setting and talk about topics like these. So um, I think that being casual with just two friends talking about this will make it very relatable for a lot of people. Mm. And um, I'm hoping that the comments will also sort of trigger like more discussions. And um, yeah, um, in the far future, I'm hoping to have workshops for youths, mm-hmm. um, for maybe new moms, mm-hmm. new um, couples and stuff like that mm-hmm. on how to navigate their, their relationship, how to uh, 
how to handle pregnancy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to invite experts to teach those workshops mm-hmm. and um, like work together with them to to form like a curriculum mm-hmm. that's age appropriate and life stage appropriate. Yeah, that's a long term goal for me. Yeah. And uh, so I I have this question that I've asked a lot of people who come on about um, limiting what we do to Singapore. There seems to be very often a, a assumption that it's all very context specific, and we just think about okay, we're just serving a Singaporean audience and a community. But have you considered also your community? especially since you're on Instagram, which is global, Mm. might go beyond Singapore. And this would then have ramifications far beyond simply who's reading. But for example, um, when you're talking about trying to optimize your resources, could you refer people to therapists who are outside of Singapore, right? In a previous episode, which aired in January, uh, Reitz was on talking about mental health and she talked about how expensive her therapy was. Mm. And, And I said, well, my therapist is in KL. Right in this day and age, I just you know we just talk on um, video call, and I'm paying a hundred ringgit, and Reitz was saying her therapy was costing two hundred forty sing, right, which is, uh, you know, like ends up being something like six times what what I'm paying. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, uh, there are resources out there beyond Singapore, but also a community beyond Singapore who would be very interested in the things you're doing and want to participate and then would also be willing to buy your merch, support your activities. So, uh, yeah, my question is, is like, do you see yourself as Singaporean? Or, and I know there's a lot of things which are context-specific because Singapore, you know, you talked about our education system, about our healthcare system, mental health care system. But would you, do you see yourself expanding beyond Singapore? What's your community? Who are you serving? Definitely. Like, you talk about using resources from other countries. I think um, in countries where sex educators are, like, more outspoken, I think I would like to tap into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Virtual workshops could happen. You know, virtual um, panel discussions or gatherings could happen. Um, That's something I would like to to explore. Mm -hmm. And we did talk about bringing in um, therapists from different countries. But um, we're still not sure. We're we're not very sure about like the law surrounding, mm-hmm. like using like um, bringing medical professionals from other countries into Singapore to have patients in Singapore. We're not sure. We're not very sure about the legal system surrounding that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we decided to stick with Singapore for now. And once this light project um thing is going smoothly, mm-hmm. then we'll see if we can expand. Yeah, I think definitely uh, in terms of expanding, right? Like, Singapore is still, like, I, I guess the context still kind of matters in, in terms of, like, uh, what's the available help, right? So, like, in maybe, like, in some countries or some cities, right, they, the government has funded this kind of help already, right? Mm. And it's, it's free to, like, people to, to go to, right? Um, but in Singapore, it's not. Um, and it's very difficult to find the help. So there are these two conditions, and definitely we can expand to countries who or cities that um, meet these two conditions. So in, in that sense, um, we want to start in Singapore and also expand from there because definitely, um, yeah, helping more people is always good. Mm. Yeah. So right now, if somebody's somebody watching or listening is interested, how how can they join? Can they join? Um, in co- join. Are you looking for interns? Join up and out. Yeah, 
Um, not really interns. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't. I don't think we will see it that way. I think, I think we need people who are passionate about the topic. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. need people who are willing to work for free because we're not getting any money from it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we, there's no like I predict we will start getting an income from yeah no <laughs> May onwards. No, mm-hmm. it is for free, um, indefinitely. So, okay. we just really need friends who who's passionate about it and willing to put in the work mm-hmm. for it and can work well with us. Yeah. 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 So like partners who, I don't know, software engineers who want to build something can come and, you know, passionate about this project. We can always come together and build something, you know, like uh, our designers or even like um, writers, you know, that kind of thing. We, we can definitely work together or like just maybe even other educators. Um, educators. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, even other other pages or activists that are you know in in the same realm, like I think it's very always good to to partner and like you know um, spread the word out there even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes below this video and in the below the podcast in the show notes for podcast where how people can contact you if uh, yeah. they want to get involved. For sure. But if if you don't mind me like um, following that up, right, with another question, which is another theme that has really come up in a lot of these conversations, and uh, which ties into a question I wanted to ask earlier. It's about the sort of elite nature of activism in Singapore, um, where because people like us who have degrees, who have privilege, um, are the people who have the resources, time and space to do activism. Activism then becomes a very privileged space and that then brings on a lot of problems. Uh, For example, we're all talking in English when there are many people in Singapore who don't operate primarily in English, Mm -hmm. who work in different cultures, you know, live in sort of different cultural spheres, linguistic spheres, Mm -hmm. uh, social spheres, right? How do we reach them? And how do we, and you know, in a sense, it also ends up like we, we end up catering to people like ourselves. Um, there are pe- plenty of people with similar backgrounds to ourselves, i.e. English educated and well educated. And, uh, you know, if I, might, if I might surmise like reasonably well, not living in poverty, um, who need your resources and help, but then we just end up catering to them. So how do we... Um, you know, expand beyond those circles. There's another question that that has been on my mind and we've asked different people who've come on the podcast. Um, And also kind of, is there also, when it comes to sex ed specifically, a sort of elite dimension to it, uh, as in, do uh, students at elite schools have a different kind of sex ed from students at quote unquote neighborhood schools uh, and you know like um, non-mission schools for example um, so there's sort of like two related things there about elitism I'm very curious about hmm. um, okay so I was actually I actually thought about this like when I first started the platform hmm. I wanted to translate stuff um, hmm. to different languages um, on Instagram hmm. but it I'm not very fluent in anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and um, I couldn't find people who are super fluent either mm-hmm. in other languages, which is kind of sad. So we, I, we decided to just stick with English for now and see where it takes us. But in future, I think it will be really good to have like either a 
translations for every um, post that we do on Instagram, um, different captions if we're doing videos and like workshops. Yeah. That would be that would be very very good because I think that sex ed is universal. Um, it should be universal. Um, relationships with yourself and with other people is universal, and and everyone will experience that. So, the more people benefit from this, the the better the whole world will be, right? Yeah. And yeah. um, there was a second part to your to your question. Yeah. What was it? Um, How do we break it, it, out? Yeah. Well, oh, of, uh, of that elite bubble, yeah, yeah, yeah. Break yeah. Out of the elite bubble, yeah. So you you mentioned that um, maybe sex ed in elite schools will be different from sex ed in quote unquote neighborhood schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that because sex ed in every school is actually different. Um, MOE does not have like a set curriculum or a set list of materials they mm. they give to all teachers in Singapore. It's not it's not structured you know it's more like each school does their own thing each teacher will teach to, like using their own discretion okay so it really oh, depends wow. yeah it really depends on how comfortable the individual teachers care about it uh, how comfortable they are talking about it, talking about the topic and how much they care about this mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I, I guess I, I, I want to ask also like um a lot of the discussions that we have, right? A lot of the, I think the messaging that we have, right? Mm. It tends to 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 go out to people who are in our own circle, and and I experienced that with Wake Up Singapore as well. Um, yeah, but you know, do you have any strategies or any ways of trying to reach people who may be sitting on the opposite end of the aisle, or people who may not be interested, um, who may not be interested in these topics, or who may not agree with us? How do you reach across to the people who really need this? For people who are, like, hateful... Yeah. Honestly, like what Vivian said just now, I think your own mental health is more important. Mm-hmm. So for people who are really hateful, I have realised that it really takes a toll. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a lot of emotional labour. Mm-hmm. So um, some days, if if I feel like I can try and, like meet them halfway and educate them I will and then I'll post it on like the stories for everyone to see so that mm-hmm. everybody can learn from it mm-hmm. um, on other days I'm, I'm just too tired for it so okay. I would just not engage mm. yeah but I guess the best way to reach outside a circle is to encourage people to share the content mm-hmm. and to do that you have to make it relatable Okay. so yeah the more people share your content the more out of your circle it mm. will be yeah. yeah I think like we try to to make it very layman mm-hmm. in terms of like the concepts and like uh, what you you know the the language mm-hmm. as well uh, the diagrams also. Mm-hmm. So um, try our best to to make it um, readable and understandable, like not just for elite people, or educated people, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and also, I think you mentioned like um, birds of the feather flock together, right? Mm-hmm. Like our circles of um, our networks are probably uh, have similar people to us, mm-hmm. but. I, I must say, right, like, out of that, maybe, okay, let's say nine out of ten friends will probably be similar to you. Mm-hmm. There'll be that one friend who have a different, who has a different idea, mm-hmm. right? And have that conversation with that friend. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, when you're having conversations with your, with your friends uh, who are similar to you, mm-hmm. you know, like, encourage them, to, um, encourage them to talk about it with their other friends, mm-hmm. right? It's like the yeah. network effect. Um, I feel like this is very important in, in terms of, like, 
as well, you know, like what Vanessa said, uh, sharing the Instagram post, mm-hmm. um, you know, like some, some of you, uh, maybe you are followers of our Instagram account and you want to, um, like you, you gain this knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do after that? You can always have a conversation with your friends on what you have learned, right? Not everyone follows the Instagram page or have, has like absorbed what um, you have learned. So always have these conversations um, with your friends. You never know like how the knowledge, um, you know, like snowballs into, like where it snowballs into. And mm-hmm. I think that is uh, definitely one way we can go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like um, for personal experiences, uh, I have had, I want to say hater, but it's not really a hater. It's just like, it's just like some, some other... I guess opposing view, right? Mm -hmm. I have a friend who had the opposing view and it was very difficult. That conversation was very tiring. Um, But, you know, like, I think at least that conversation happened. You know, like, there is, uh, maybe maybe, uh, he or she might reflect on it, you Mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. Uh, One can only hope, but always have that conversation, I think. That's Mm -hmm. the most important, yeah. So we've actually, yes. Sorry, can I just add one more thing? Um, The thing is, even if these people are not convinced on the spot, I think it's important that these conversations happen often. Mm -hmm. So the more people hear about something, I think the more receptive they will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think the most important thing is to normalize these conversations first within your own network Mm -hmm. because it's it's still not normalized. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can think about convincing people of opposing views. Yeah, Yeah, it might seem very helpless uh, at the start because like, you, you keep like saying the same things, but like the person is just no, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like maybe slowly and hopefully surely, mm. uh, you know, like they, they might shift a little bit, you know, that kind of like reflection and thinking. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that point because I think we have a culture here where, you know, we, we just have a weird phobia of uncomfortable conversations. I think part of it has to do with like POFMA and free speech. Um, but another big part of it, you know, is, is of course the, the ramifications of these laws and these policies that just become a big cultural milieu. But it's amazing to me how scared people are mm-hmm. uh, to have conversations. I remember when um, Preeti was on the show and she was talking about the um, discussions she was having about Chinese privilege. People just freaked out. Oh, yes. Like, like, you know, it touches a real raw nerve with people. Like, they can't be uncomfortable uh, in the slightest. And so I really I really resonate with that point, right? Have the discussions, normalize it, right? Make it okay. Like, get them used to it, right? Yeah. yeah. So and I think studies have shown also, like, well, just, just two things. One is that people who live in very close, dense, crowded societies, because there's uh, so much more interaction and so many more chances for things to go wrong or to take offense, they um, develop a, a very dense set of unwritten rules to govern behavior uh, and are very cautious about anything which then pushes the boundaries, right? And if you look at crowded islands, uh, crowded, especially uh, crowded uh, spaces like Japan, for example, and Singapore being two good examples about how um, people have to be very cautious about navigating because it's there's just so many people and so many opportunities for uh, social interactions, uh, you know, um, un- uninitiated social interactions that becomes um, we we develop these codes and rules and uh, are very cautious about violating them. So that's one thing. Another thing, increasingly, there's a whole genre of research about how people's worldviews are tied up in their identity and their sense of self, rather than in specific policies. And people may not actually care about your specific policy or uh, know any sort of nuance about it, 
but because your policy and what you're talking about is opposed to their sense of identity, they instinctively then oppose it and um, and bring up all sorts of reasons why it's wrong. Uh, and there's very little you can do on that sort of factual policy level. You have to then interrogate the whole sense of self, which is very challenging for, for anyone, right? Mm. Self-awareness is, is deeply difficult. So, so studies have shown like people who identify a certain way politically they will simply they will they will they're far more receptive to whatever policy the people of the political leaders of their identity are proposing and then if you tell them oh those policies have swapped 180 degrees they're way more receptive oh yeah okay then you know we'll, we'll um accept that that swap mm-hmm. um so it, it's really the uh, i'm really oversimplifying the, the the experiment and the explanation but basically it's more about the identity than the policy yeah mm-hmm. Well, that brings us into the big question that we ask all of our guests um, at the end of the show, right? And we kind of walked into it a little bit just now, right? But what is your theory of change, right? Um, What do you think change is? How do you think it will happen? How do you think it should happen? How do you feel like what you and what you are doing uh, is bringing or making change in the world or in Singapore? Yeah. Maybe we could hear from Vivian first. Sure. Um, yeah, I think... Okay, I think this may not apply to everybody, but like for me personally, mm-hmm. I feel like change is when one person, just one person, mm-hmm. changes their mindset or like gets, uh, you know, like influence from like what we're trying to do, what we're trying to advocate. Um, in terms of like, you know, let's say you learn something, like that is change for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, for the light project, right? just one survivor gets therapy, mm-hmm. that's a change for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I feel like sometimes we think change is something so big, mm-hmm. but really, like, it's just that one person, like, if you change the person's life, like, that is a huge thing already, right? Mm. And so I think for me personally, you know, like, um, I don't really have that traditional sense of, like, oh, world change, I want world peace, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think what we're doing, uh, we want to help as many as we can and, every person is a good is a big amount of change already yeah mm-hmm. yeah um i'm i'm going to sound a little bit cliche here mm-hmm. but i think for me change starts with yourself mm-hmm. um a shift in mindset is very important cuz like what we said earlier um people don't want to see themselves as the bad guy they don't want to see themselves as wrong it feels like their identity their core identity has been compromised mm-hmm. right so understanding that you're not perfect. Mm. You don't know everything in the world. You are wrong, mm-hmm. like in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important to sort of open up your your mind mm-hmm. to be receptive to new information that might benefit your life. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you, if you want to make change, it mm-hmm. should start with yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then once you, once you actually change yourself, you will start picking up things in other people, small things that can be changed too. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about Preeti, mm-hmm. um, talking about Chinese privilege mm-hmm. and racism, right? Um, call out small instances of racism. Call out small instances of ignorance when someone is talking about sex ed, like mm-hmm. um, misconceptions about birth control, just on the spot. Just say, um, why do you think that? Like, 
if someone says, oh, you shouldn't take birth control pills because it, it messes with your fertility. Like, don't mm-hmm. just keep quiet and be, like, awkward. Just, oh, why do you think that um, mm-hmm. that's actually not true because blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, small, everyday conversations like that can make a very lasting change in that one person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will spread. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, you mentioned about identity, right? Like, when we feel like our identity is attacked, mm-hmm. uh, like, the things that we say, you know, we, we might feel like it's very tied to our identity, but actually, it's not. So I think you need to remember, like, you know, like, in terms of, like, let's say Chinese privilege, right? If you're Chinese and uh, someone talks about Chinese privilege, you feel like your identity might be attacked, mm-hmm. right? Because you're Chinese. But it's not true, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are, you're Chinese, yes, but there is a problem. And so, like, think about it in, uh, you know, other people's uh, shoes as well. And, like, just the empathy. Just try to have empathy. I think that is just number one. Mm-hmm. Or, or in a very systemic way because I think this is um, always a challenge with racism when you talk about racism people feel like you're accusing them of being racist mm. you know when actually uh, racism uh, stems a lot more from structural and systemic factors which we don't even realise or can control um, which you need either all of society to work together on or the government to legislate or regulate Right, and that's really what we should be focusing on. But too often, racism ends up being, "You don't be racist," and mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. that's what people hear, that's what people feel, when it's really about we need better anti-discrimination legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to um, have as a society set out clear boundaries, borders, what's acceptable, not acceptable, things like that. Right, and mm-hmm. it's not about individuals. So, I I've, I've also found that like talking about things systemically, right. Um, is is more effective than talking about things on a personal level, especially when mm-hmm. it's something mm-hmm. that people f- can feel very attacked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just one more thing. I think it's also very important to know your audience. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, if you're talking to someone who, who has never had this conversation before, mm-hmm. um, you, you have to be prepared to be very patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and go go into the conversation with love basically mm-hmm. um, with understanding mm-hmm. I think that's that's how we convince people mm. so absolute final question from me right what's one piece of change you'd like to see in Singapore vis-a-vis sex ed sex culture sex positivity just one one change mm-hmm. one right. is so hard okay I, I will go first <laughs> for me personally mm-hmm. I think my one change is consent and boundaries being taught to children in primary school hmm. set by MOE yeah yes. I, could, I, I would like to see that as well MOE shout out to you <laughs> mm. uh. um, I think for me it's the LGBTQ plus community mm. and people who don't fit into the binary because mm-hmm. like I, I can't believe I can believe <laughs> in this day and age like mm-hmm. why are we still debating people's existence mm-hmm. Like, every single reputable university in the world, every single mental health slash medical institute recognizes and acknowledges Mm -hmm. that gender and sex, like, they're not binary. Mm -hmm. It's a spectrum. They have published papers about it. But somehow, a lot of people still think that just their existence is wrong, Mm -hmm. which I really don't understand. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's like a basic human right. Like, I... That's one thing that I want. To. Mm-hmm. 
to see. Sort of expanding on that a little bit, right? I'm, I shouldn't, but expanding on that a little bit. Um, there is kind of an impasse there, right? It's that it, it seems like something that it, uh, it appears just contradictory or at odds with Singapore because if you had sex ed in schools or in any institution, uh, you would run up against the law because 377A still exists. Same-sex marriage is not legalized. Um, non-binary um, identities uh, may not always receive the full institutional support or acknowledgement. So you run up against the law there, right? Yeah. Um, so at least for, for, for Vivian, I could, I could feasibly in some alternate universe still kind of picture that. Uh, but this one, it seems like there, there is, there is a, a huge yeah. line that's been drawn. Right. I have to pick one yeah. thing. That's yeah. One, that's a, that's one that I want. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you see, like, if you want to talk about Asian cultures, right, you see Taiwan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, do, going the extra mile and, like, right, giving rights to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say it's honestly like our culture. Um, I think it, it starts because the government keeps saying, oh, um, it's for, because the majority says this. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're not taking the law away right Mm -hmm. so as people what can we do right we can educate each other I think a lot of people are not educated Mm -hmm. in terms of like gender sex right Mm -hmm. Um, that's really it like I mean our parents probably you know all of them Mm -hmm. will be like what is this right Um, so I think uh, maybe even our generation ourselves you know like we probably are not that clear because we never had that education right mm-hmm. so we definitely want to also start with ourselves um, try to educate ourselves mm-hmm. and then go and have conversations with people yeah yeah. yeah. so to echo uh, PJ's point impossible for now mm-hmm. but not always conservative for now but not always right yeah I love that Taiwan's a great example I don't think it's impossible I don't think it's impossible. Maybe I'm just being too positive. <laughs> no, no, of course, of course. I mean, like, slavery used to be totally normal and legal. Owning another human? Sure, no problem. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Today, taboo. Right? Social uh, media. Yeah. Um, marital rape used to be legal yeah. in Singapore oh. just a few years ago. Yeah. We, you know, this whole campaign, right, overturned it. But in general, the idea of men owning women through, through marriage, marriage was a transaction, right? that has been overturned, right? We've overturned and changed so much of our society. We don't realize it because change takes a long time. As you said, be patient, but totally doable. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I want to thank uh, Vanessa and Vivian for coming down and talking to us and enlightening us about uh, sex ed in Singapore. I also want to thank you for the amazing work that you do. Please go and check them out on Instagram. You can find them at up and out stylized. There's up plus out. Uh, great page and great resources. And Links thank you. in the show notes. Yeah. yeah and thank you, PJ, for having me on. Yes. Thank you, Vivian, thank Vanessa. You, thank, thank you. Thank you, as always, Sean. Fantastic questions. Great hosting. And of course, thank you, our audience, for tuning in, for listening, for watching. Uh, and thank you for uh, watching uh, and listening to Political Agenda, which uh, is a production of New Narrative. And as mentioned, we're an entirely member-supported organization, Movement for Democracy in Southeast Asia. We really need your help to keep producing more of this. So please do join us as a member, newnarrative.com join or donate at newnarrative.com donate. Thank you very much and see you next time. Come way too far